Welcome to Shocker Girl Radio. We've created a community of spiritual women who know that you can still enjoy the finer things while you're on your soul's journey to live your dharma and your most chakra-aligned life. Let's dive into this episode. Welcome back to Shocker Girl Radio. We have a lovely guest today. Her name is Ryan Haddon. She's a spiritual coach, meditation teacher, hypnotherapist, and she is the program head at Sage and Sound, which is like this magical wellness center that I need to be booking a trip to New York to visit. It's in the east side, sorry, upper east side of Manhattan. We get in she-she, we get in spiritual, and we're talking about reclaiming your worthiness. We're going to talk about reprogramming, limiting beliefs, finding your innate worthiness, forgiving yourself. Ryan shares stories about her past and addictions and how she overcame and really accepted herself and found herself. We're talking about hypnosis and how manifestation and hypnosis work together and learning and healing through our relationships and the different dynamics that we are in. So it's a super juicy one and you're going to love it. On that tip, you guys, I am hosting a little free session on Wednesday, which I believe is May 3rd. Yes, Wednesday, May 3rd. And we're going to be talking about really accessing your internal guidance system so that you can be completely turned on, tapped in and accessing divine wealth and beauty. Do you notice that when you have more money, you look hotter. And it's not because you're getting the Botox, you're getting the facials. I mean, I'm sure those things help, but it works the other way around. When you become hotter, you make more money and not because you're getting those extra tips and those extra opportunities, but it's because the reason that we've become hotter and richer is because you have tapped into your divinity. You've tapped into your goddess energy and they go hand in hand. So when we can really turn on that goddess frequency, that femininity, that allowing that ability to just flow and allow things to unfold, that is when the magic happens. That's when the abundance pours in. That is when we just elevate and look radiant and vibrant and feel our best. And you know that Obviously, when you are feeling your best, you look your best. And who doesn't want to look your sexiest, you guys? Come on. So I'm going to be doing a free training on all of this stuff, how to access divine guidance, how to tap into higher dimensional frequencies to channel like really solid, clear answers. And your intuition is going to work in different ways. I literally hear the divine knowledge coming in. They show me pictures. I journal. I do freehand journaling and it pours through. So we're going to talk about like how that connection to source, connection to the divine is really changing my reality and how it can change yours too. So make sure you sign up for that free training at the link in my bio. And I am also taking a small group of motivated high-performing, amazing women through an eight-week immersion of channeling and divine guidance. It's called the Divine Unfolding, and it's going to be so, so powerful. It's for entrepreneurs or high-performing women, whether you have just a high-performing career, but you're looking for that next level. And spoiler alert, in order to get to the next level, you have to love where you're at. So we're going to get you to a place of just divine fulfillment and love and joy and bliss and connection to the divine. And then we're going to follow your own unique guidance from the divine 
and you're going to completely just change your reality. So if you want more information on that, the link is in the show notes as well. So we're linking you on the show notes to the free training and also information so that you can apply for the eight week immersion of the divine unfolding. And we are just going to be hot and wealthy and shining and thriving this summer with our connection to source and channeling the universe together. So let's do it. You guys, let's go ahead and jump in to this episode with Ryan Haddon. Welcome to Chakra Girl Radio. I am your host, Amberly Lyons, and we are on a mission to make the world more consciously chic and quantumly connected, one activate chakra at a time. We have Ryan Haddon here today. She is a life and spiritual coach, meditation teacher, and hypnotherapist. She's also the head of programming at Sage and Sound, which is a stunning wellness destination, offering self-care and revitalizing an approachable environment on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. I'm like dying to check it out and so happy to have you here today, Ryan. Welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Amber. Okay. What is your sun, moon, and rising? My sun is Capricorn. My moon is Aquarius and my rising is Aries. Oh, beautiful. I am an Aquarius sun, so... I feel that vibe from you for sure. What is a daily ritual that you almost never skip? A connection to self in some form or another. It's gotten, used to be much more regimented in the past. And now it's just moments of presence throughout the day. And that might be more creative than it once was of like sitting before my altar and having all these beautiful, wonderful rituals that I still like to do. But it also can be just when I'm outside walking my goats, it can be on my commute. You know, you talked about Sage and Sound and I live in a farm and we're going to touch on that. I think we're both city girls who've moved to the country, but I make that commute and that can be super, you know, quiet and present. And, and I start to make those moments more sacred too. So it's, it, that's something that's been part of my spiritual evolution as well. Mm -hmm. I love that you said walking my goats. I was not expecting that. That alone is like, sounds like a really amazing daily practice. (laughs) It can be. You know, I mean, the mind can be spinning at any time, but it, I do find that when I'm out in nature and I'm with my animals, that that's a time for me that I can also just breathe and connect and ground and um, really take that moment. I take in the sun codes and, you know, it's just, it's a moment of presence and that becomes more and more spiritual, you know, yeah. who loves the ritual, who's all about all kinds of things. And I still do all that, the bowls and the crystals and the, you can see from my background, it's, it's a big part of my, you know, the ethos of how I filter through my spirituality and how I've loved it. But I do think more and more it's about those moments and creating those moments in a, in a busy daily life. So true. I fully agree. So I want to know about your spiritual awakening and how it became your life's work to share it. Hmm didn't actually happen like that, (laughs) but it started at 17. I met this meditation teacher and I had a classic Kundalini awakening, you know, fire shooting up the spine, heart exploding. I wasn't looking for it. It found me somewhere. I think there was an opening, you know, I had someone close to me pass. And I think that was sort of the gift of his departure was to start questioning things at an early age. What am I doing here? What is the point of this? And I think that questioning creates an opening for the universe to slide in. And so that teacher 
showed up and that experience happened and it was irrefutable. It was undeniable. And that set me on a course to sort of explore and deepen and try to understand what is this energy inside me? What is this awakening that happened, this spark that I want to nurture and continue to expand on? Now, 17 is really young to have had that experience. And it did lead me to India to study there. And that's hence all the love of rituals, because that's really the it's saturated with those things. And I love that. Um, I think we've lost the art of rituals in some ways as community is coming together. And there's um, these are some offerings we have at Sage and Sound that are so beautiful, like sacred tea ceremony, cacao ceremony, you know, ways that we can come together that aren't traditional ways of experiencing community again. And so I experienced that in a really beautiful way in my time in India. And then as it's usually happens is that then as I mature, as I continue to grow and hit those markers in college and life and some disappointments and lack of purpose, and I really kind of lost my way. So I want, I want, that's why I said, it's not, didn't happen exactly like that with like spiritual awakening. And I'm going to take it to others. There was a lot of circuitous dark nights of the soul that came in between that initial awakening and then finding purpose in service, being of service. Were you on like a different career path? I was, I I wasn't on any path. I was just like throwing things at the wall. Like I couldn't, you know, it was all um, from the outside in of like, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. I'm kind of good at this. And people were always pushing things my way because I had some level of charisma. I had some, you know, some, something, some spark of some kind. They were probably picking up on my spiritual spark, you know? And so whatever that is. And I was in, I was always traveling in circles of people that were in their excellence and whatever line of work. And so, you know, I had lots of opportunity given to me, but like sand through the fingers, with fingers spread, everything would just kind of go through. And that was such a terrible feeling of knowing that I had a seat of purpose, but I couldn't align with it, that I had experienced this incredible relationship with self and God, but I couldn't make that work for me in a practical way and find purpose around it. And what happened is this spinning started to really affect my self-worth, which was probably pretty shaky and made put me in a, positions of self-doubt. And when that happens, I started calling in experiences that highlighted my um, unworthiness yeah. over and over again through partnerships, through decisions I was making. And of course I'm self-responsible. So, you know, a lot of those were you know, gravitational pull to reflect back that unworthiness again and again and again. And it really put me in a place to feel so uncomfortable and so unhappy with my choices and decisions that I started reaching for things to try to mitigate those humongous tidal wave feelings. And that showed up in an addiction eventually. And so there's hence the dark nights of the soul there. And that was a rapid descent into that darkness. And there's a special spiritual shame that happens for me. And I'm sure it's happened to others where if you've been in that sunlight of the spirit and then you're in the darkness, you're like, where, how did I get here? How did I squander this beautiful gift? And here I am. And this is what I've done with it. I put myself here. And so it was like another level of shame as you can see how that really is a a tough way out. And again, grace is bigger. And I would continue to, in moments of clarity, ask for that to show up again in my life. And I do think 
that it was an extremely necessary, um, all of it, all the, 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 the teachers that showed up in that time, all the people that were, you know, uh, gasoline on the fire, you know, all those circuitous roads brought me to that place of reckoning where mm-hmm. I was like leveled out and I started to reach for, for, for support and help. And that was a, a window of grace that opened for me and I really climbed through it. And then from there, that started happening through sobriety, through learning how to create these practical practical ways of showing up, through learning to let go of the past for forgiving myself, to be in a group of other people that had come out of this shipwreck that was my life. We had this common goal is to learn how to manage feelings, to learn how to create a practical relationship with a higher power. All of that really started to spark for me. And I felt alive and awake again in a way that I hadn't since that initial time in India. And I had a great, great mentors that showed up and hypnosis showed up for me. I found this hypnotist who also helped me close loops in programming in how I showed up in partnership, because I do believe I had a lot of love addiction strains that were showing up how I loved codependent, um, my worth measured by my productivity, which was nil and in partnership and clinging too tightly, all those things that just is like a soul sickness, you know, and you can't bypass that with spirituality, which is what I had tried to do. Exactly. And I feel like that those, all of those things that you mentioned are like so common and so many people that have that tendency towards spirituality, it often comes from being in one of those dark places. And I feel like when you kind of get to the other side of it, it's easy to still hold on to some of that shame. So I'd love to know about your like self-forgiveness journey. Or yeah, even you know, acceptance, if that's even a yeah, it's both. It's really yeah. seeing, you know, I started to do esteemable things. Mm-hmm. Um, I started to show up for others in a real and genuine way, like wanting other women to get sober too. Once I had some tools and I was able to stay sober and I was able to show up as a parent, it took me a couple of times to really get it right. I was sober and then I got married and then I had kids. And then I was like, oh, let's have a glass of wine with dinner again. And so that insanity showed up again. It takes, it could takes what it takes Yeah, so to really understand who you are, like, and how you function at the core. And so that second time was that time. And so that was almost, this is my 20th year of recovery. Wow. And so I had little kids and they, you know, I got to show up as a mom and really be present for them. And I started to, to really see myself shift and change and my self-talk changed. I started to notice myself and this is how hypnosis helped too, of just noticing the good that I was doing, noticing how um, I felt pure of heart. I felt that, that I had, a, I really started to understand that I had this soul sickness that was showing up this way and it was destructive. And through these different ways of showing up in a new way and being of service to other women and giving them tools that other women had given to me, I started to see this golden chain of love and acceptance and, you know, God working through us, through each other. And it became really practical and tangible. And that service piece made me feel closer to myself. Mm. And that spark that had initially, that I initially had that felt so out of reach for so long. So that really, that's where I started to see, oh, I didn't know that that was purpose happening. I didn't realize that that feeling that when I was talking with another woman and we were sharing our experience with each other and I could give them things to do and I'd start to see them changing that feeling of alignment 
Mm-hmm. It was the first time I'd felt that. And so that's how I kind of, people kept saying, you should be a life coach. And I was like, no, no, not that. And let me just continue to do this for fun and for free, as they say, you know, working with others. And I was still doing other odd jobs and writing. I always loved to write. So I was doing different things like that um, and producing and trying to get into that. I was living in Los Angeles at the time. So that's sort of the culture of that, that space. And then, you know, the, the life coaching came later, but my love for hypnosis, my love for recovery and really helping others was those, all those seeds got planted at that time. And so they came to fruition maybe a decade later. Yeah, Yeah, no, that's beautiful because I feel like that's so true. Like if someone is suffering with this, this feeling of not being worthy and we have these kind of measures of what we think makes us worthy, whether it's our beauty or money or success or whatever those kind of like external things are that are programmed into us. And yeah, I feel like the answer to finding the true worthiness is finding like your heart and finding like, how am I sharing my heart? Because that is the only, like love is the only true thing. (laughs) That is what like makes us who we are. So I feel like just being of service alone is something that can help you build up that feeling of worthiness inside, like seeing the effect that you have on other people is so powerful. Absolutely. And it's less about what they're doing and how they're shifting and changing and more about how you feel when yeah. you're doing it and doing it from overflow rather than lack. I and mean, we hear this all the time, but it really is. I don't think you can really give away what you don't have fully. Yeah. Um, it becomes the state that you're holding. And certainly as teachers and as people, you know, um, lighting the way for others, as mm-hmm. it has been done for us, you want to be in integrity with what you're teaching. And yeah. I think that's a big thing about this time on the planet. And you can see all these other teachers are kind of crumbling, these different paths crumbling and coming to light. I think in, in large part, because this is the age of Aquarius mm-hmm. and it's the age where we, we break down these paradigms, these certainly in the spiritual community, the wellness community of people that aren't actually teaching what not living what they're teaching. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's really important to know when to pull back when to stop speaking, when to keep filling up the well so that you can give from that place of overflow rather than, you know, it's being in the wellness space and it being a business, but also being, I think it can be both beautifully. It's a beautiful exchange, but it's just constantly checking yourself as someone um, in this world, in this path. Am I in integrity with what I'm speaking about? Mm -hmm. Am I living and practicing what I'm suggesting to others? Mm -hmm. it's, It's really important to me. Yeah, very true. And I always say that too, like people are like, am I, you know, I'm not perfect yet. And I'm, am I ready to teach people? I'm, but if you're practicing and you're yes. in integrity and you're in your truth and you're practicing what you preach, then I believe you are ready to teach. Like no one is going to be perfect. And even if you find yourself feeling perfect one day, a week later, you can feel totally different. So I heard you say one thing that I've never heard this term before. You said I had a soul sickness. Is this kind of like a soul contract or how do you describe that? You know what? You're right. It's a funny turn of phrase because I don't think the soul gets sick, but it felt like that. Yeah. Okay. The soul is pristine. I think it's just having this experience and it's like observing and it's, you know, just there. I don't think it, it actually doesn't probably isn't right. affected by it like this, this, but it felt like that for the deepest core part of me felt lost, you know? Yeah. So for people who feel like they have a soul sickness or they have like this soul contract that they can't sort out, I know hypnosis is such 
a powerful tool. Can you share some information on how we can kind of do that at home? Like how can we start to reprogram ourselves and bring ourselves to that subconscious state where that's available to us? Well, I think first off, we're going in and out of this. I mean, the subconscious runs 95% of our life, whether we're conscious and aware of it or not, but we go in and out of brainwave states throughout our day. And so hypnosis is a pretty normal and natural state. It's just really a state of trance. And so we go to varying degrees of it and levels of it. So when you space out, when you're hyper-focusing on something, that's a level of trance. When you're watching TV, when you get from A to B and you don't remember how you got there, that's another form of trance. So it's just really normalizing and equalizing what um, these brainwave states and knowing that it's not some foreign thing over there that's happening. It's happening all the time and it's supernatural. So how do we drop ourselves deliberately into theta state or alpha theta state, which are the states where we're most receptive to new ideas. And that would be the place from which to do affirmations. A lot of people do affirmations from beta, which is a really fast brainwave output state. And that wouldn't actually take root in the subconscious. So it's good to just do it through breath. You can do it through counting. You can do it through very simple techniques. Just look up self-hypnosis and everyone's got a different way of doing it but it's super simple. And with a little bit of training, you can put yourself into that state that from there you would make suggestions to your own self, your own subconscious. This is the program going forward rather than feeling like the subconscious is running you through the, through the ringer. It's not, it's a great ally. It's just constantly pointing to you where, where the healing might need to happen some more and where you're, incongruent with what, what you want and what keeps showing up. Mm. And it's a great marker to be like, Oh, I think I love myself a lot, but I'm showing up in these, you know, unrequited love stories keep popping into my timeline. Why, you know, why does this, it doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. Somewhere there's a disconnect somewhere you chasing love somewhere. I I speak from experience because I loved that. Um, and at that time I was really growing out the self-love and I kept pulling in this partner over and over again. It was like, I love you, but I just can't get there right now. Like, and I was like, what is this about? And it was about me closing that loop. And when I understood it wasn't them, it was me. When I really got that to my core, it shifted, mm-hmm. you know, it shifted and I stopped pulling in that partner. So it's, I think the subconscious, you know, even this idea of attraction, it's really just attracting you to the person who is at the same vibration, who's got the same stuff that's, you know, attractive to the subconscious. So that's very unsexy. And I think we overuse, it's just my opinion. I think we overuse soul contracts. We overuse soulmates and soul. I mean, there's a lot of soulmates, but it's twin flames. Like, like, oh my God, it's so rare. I feel like it's almost like, it's almost like, like a scapegoat. Like you're not taking accountability. Like you're like, nope, it's in the stars. I didn't do anything wrong. Oh my God. And I have totally used soulmate thing connections to keep me in things longer than I should have been. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's not to say that they weren't that because I think soulmates can also be children, our children. Yeah. You know, it's whoever, and it can also be one, yeah. like, you know, jerk on your path that really yeah. pulls you back to yourself. Like it could be yeah. that way. I think we just need to like, just make it more general. It doesn't always have to be romantic and it doesn't always have to be drama for it to be, you know, a soulmate experience. Totally. So, yeah. I feel yeah. like 
like relationships are like energetic puzzle pieces. It's like you're fitting each other's trauma. <laughs> it's like it the gloves, it's like how you fit the glove, or it could be the healing or the yes. Magnetism. But yes. it's, like, I, it's all of the things. It's like we have the same magnetism, or the like, or the opposite, or the same, which can also attract. But then, yeah, sometimes it's those more kind of traumatic pieces that we haven't healed yet that attract the perfect puzzle piece for that. But I think, yeah, taking that accountability is Mm -hmm. the number one thing. Then once we can kind of like identify, okay, I feel like I'm attracting this type of person because I don't feel worthy. How can we then like use hypnosis to heal that? Like, are we going into this state and then like repeating a mantra or like, what are some different tools that we can start to use once we've identified? I would say do the breath work, do some simple breath work, then do like a countdown from 10 to one. And then from there, find a phrase that you want to say that repeat over and over with emphasis and with just belief and make sure this falls into the manifesting side of things is that make sure that nothing is in contradiction to it. So if you're like, I want a great relationship, but then like, I'm like pulling in bad boys and I like that drama, it's not going to manifest. It's not going to happen. Right. So just kind of looking at that before you come up with that affirmation. And what I like to do is just put yourself into that state, 10, count yourself down from 10 to one, and then see on a widescreen TV, what you want to have happen. And this is kind of like the secret portion of things where we're just like, I want the red Ferrari. Please don't do that. Like you're (laughs) An incredible co-creative being. I mean, if that if you think that's going to bring you joy, it will not. Not. I'm not. No. <laughs> so to see the thing that you love, that you want to be doing that. And, and the more emotion, because the subconscious houses your emotion and your memories and your imagination. So it's kind of like this incredible um, mechanism. So the more you can like heighten details, the more you can, you know, bring the emotion to it. And feel the joy of that happening and just seeing that and playing that over and over again and trusting this is the part of the spiritual part of trusting that it's done. And then what I like to say, this is the the self-hypnosis slash manifesting is what I like to say is um, if it's for the highest good of all. And I think that's really important because. I don't know what's best for me. My ego wants a ton of, might want a ton of different things. And I don't want to actually take direction from my ego. I don't want my ego giving me what I think I want. You know, I want it to be aligned with my soul's path and for the highest good of myself and others involved. Mm-hmm. You know, so I like to say that as a caveat, it really keeps things in check. If it's for the highest good of all. That's that- so important because I feel like controlling manifestations is really easy <laughs> and you can really cut off the higher vibrational manifestation. And I know that I'm guilty of this too. I'm like, no, I want this exact house in this exact place. And it needs to happen in this timeline. And like, I can get like, so hung up on it. And then I'm like, okay, no, there's probably something even better. And okay. I just need to be available for that as well. Yeah. If I, I, something doesn't work out the way I want to do, I go, this or something better, this or something better. You know, I think like little, these little catchphrases that we say, that's why they're, you know, they say that thing about spelling or casting spells, we're we're supreme creators or co-creators. And so um, I think just these little finding your catchphrases, like when I was in my dating period, I would say frequently, he's making his way to me and I'm making my way to him. And I would just, every time I go on a bad date and I would just remind myself that, and it would really up level me each time. And it became like, find yours. That's mine. Find yours. The ones that give you that, that breathing room. So 
you know, not where you're doing a bypass, like feel all the feelings of disappointment. The day didn't work out. This is a second call your girlfriend do that. But then you're self-responsible to be able to process that, let it go, move through your system, and then come back to that set point that you've decided is what makes you level set, you know? Yeah. After yeah. I love that with catchphrases because that's literally reprogramming. That's reprogramming mm-hmm. your belief. Yeah. And you're saying it over and over and over again. So I want to talk about this as it relates to our identity, because I, and we can talk about this as well in terms of this move from like city to country. I know for me, that was, it was actually so much harder than I thought, like just on a conscious level, I was like, no, it's great. It's quieter. It's like more freedom, more space, bigger house, like all of the things consciously made sense. But what I realized quickly was that I felt like my identity was changed. Like I was no longer the city girl. (laughs) And there was so much, it was like, I was no longer like getting dressed up and like going out and like all of these things. And it really took, it was like a death. Like I felt like this ego death of becoming a new person. I want to know if that's something you experienced and if anyone else is going through some kind of like, I don't know, reinvention or, or, um, ego death, what they can do to create more ease. Where are you at with that now? Are you on the other side? So it's been a year and I'm feeling great. But it was definitely like, it took me like a good, like nine months to be like, okay, no, this is actually good. So, and I feel like there was, I kind of had to like reconcile what are the things that I, that do make me feel more like me that I can, that I can do while I'm here. So yeah, I don't want to always look like a slob and be like not leaving my house. Like that doesn't feel good. But at the same time, it's like, I don't need to have this persona of always kind of like being the it girl out and about at all the events and going to LA and all those things. Like it it was like those things had to die. And I had to realize that my worthiness was, had nothing to do with that kind of veneer of what success is supposed to look like. Mm, That's beautiful. Yeah, I think anytime we make a shift and let go of the matrix in some way, this is an identity point, it becomes something else can come in. And sometimes we have to take a leap of faith and just say, all I know is I've outgrown this paradigm and I don't know what's on the other side, but I'm, I've stretched and flexed as much as I can here. And that was my experience of moving from LA to the country. And I had that same feeling of like, who am I? If I'm not going to lunch with girlfriends, who am I, you know, as, as an, I also just had a baby. So it was like very isolating in the beginning and it's putting value on things that I hadn't in the past necessarily that time alone and nature. And yeah. but I had put a cry out for it. I'd put like, I had, you know, back in the day, that same thing of just an asking. And I feel like I have a really great call and response with the universe. Like we, we we're, we're like pretty, like there's, it's, <laughs> Not a lot of lag time in between. Yeah. So, you know, I feel fortunate to have that. Um, and I'm paying attention to, I think that I can give myself that, that grace, that credit that I am noticing and looking and paying attention to signs and what people say, oh, that's two times someone said that interesting. Mm-hmm. Let me, let me think about that. You know, let me, let me see how that works into my, so everything's always cracking with signs and signals and, and you know, um, information. Yeah. 
So I love that. It makes life really interesting. But yes, so I did have to redefine myself in a lot of ways. And I did that same thing where I just like let it all go because I had been so tight with how I looked and how I, and the, all of those things. And so letting all of that go, that unraveling had to happen. Also I had a new baby. And so that that was all in alignment for that to happen. But I was like, Oh, who am I? Yes, exactly. Who am I now? And so I don't know. I just started, you know, what's interesting is that for me, it started that I started running these spiritual meetings here Mm -hmm. in, in this space where I live. And that really made me feel this activity. And I, I was like, I felt lonely. So I was like, let me build something that mm-hmm. has meaning to me. And if I build it, they'll come. And they did. Yeah. And so that created a purpose and like, oh, there's other people here too that I can connect with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. But it was a big, it was a big, like you said, there was a death of sorts. There was a letting go. There was a releasing of that version of me yeah. that I loved, but I'd outgrown. And knowing when that happens is interesting because sometimes that can go on a little bit longer and sometimes it's very abrupt. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it took, it took me about a year, maybe a little bit more. So yeah. you're doing great. <laughs> Thank you. And what you were saying, even at the beginning about like, now I think of like my dog walks, not goat walks. I wish I had goats to walk, but my dog walks in the morning and just being in nature. I'm like, I wouldn't trade that for brunches and shopping. Like I just wouldn't like the feeling it's like, Oh, right. Okay. This is what peace is. This is what worthiness is. This is what love is. And it's like a stripping away of like all the things that I thought were bringing me happiness that that wasn't real happiness. That was just ego, like being fed. So, so yeah, I, I I feel I encourage everyone to strip away anything that you think is like making you cool or successful or interesting, like really analyze those things because at the end of the day, they're probably doing more harm than good. Mm -hmm. Well, so I want to talk a little bit more about Sage and Sound and Mm -hmm. the kind of happenings that are going on there. So is it kind of like, like I, I deep dived the website and I really want to go there. PS, I want to host an event there, but we'll talk about that. that. Yeah. But yeah, like, is it, it's kind of like, there's like set classes and you can attend them or how does it work? Well, it's a 5,000 square foot space on the Upper East Side and it houses, has retail, it has non-toxic mani-pedi, it has like beautifully sourced items for the body and face and and then has a, a restaurant in it, which is environmentally and sustained, sustainable. So it's that sort of that. And then there's also all these treatments. So there's acupuncture and there's energy healing, there's lymphatic drainage, there's massages, there's facials. There's, so it's, there's a, it's a whole wellness space. Okay cover that. And then I'm the programming director for what we call the study inside the space. And this was a dream. I was brought on board by the two women founders. The entire business is run by women. It's, it's gorgeous. And we're all great friends. It's, I, I, it's amazing. It's amazing to have been a part of. And so it was, they came to me and they said, can you build a space here that um, isn't prescriptive where people can meet people right where they are in their wellness journey they want to meditate if they want to do a sacred tea ceremony if they want to do a writing class so it was it was like what an amazing moment to dream up what i'd want to show up in of the clients that i had where they might want to show up what kind of practices and teaching so we have sound breath work meditation these coaching classes that i i teach several classes there and i have other incredible authors and coaches and experts leading these conversation led classes because we've also been growing on our own 
on with podcasts and websites and courses online. And it's so beautiful to come back together. Mm-hmm. And there's so much power in our togetherness. And so having people come back in and really heal and grow um, together again is is something that is just great to be a part of. So that's what it's been. We opened in October, but I've been with Sage and Sound for two years, wow. getting this all together. And the space itself is so, people walk in, they're like, I don't know what it is. I walk in here and I'm just so calm. It's mm-hmm. many reasons. We have um, crystals put on, underneath the entire space. Mm-hmm. So it really anchors in to ward off anything that's negative energy. And also there's just a sense of calm for people. So there's that. And then our practitioners are just amazing, truly. Amazing. Okay. And all of them. Yeah. Um, need to make we this- want you to come and we have workshops and we have speakers come through and we had Dr. Shafali come and we had Evan Britton, this NFL player come in and talk about wellness. And so we have these incredible speakers come through and just tons of classes, five and six classes a day. So really the idea of it is that not everybody wants to meditate and that's okay. Like, where can you drop into yourself? Mm-hmm. And it might be that cacao ceremony. It might be, you know, learning to work with herbs, you yeah. know, and tea and, you know, so it's all that. It's really, for me as a programming director, I really want to put tools in people's hands. We have a practical mysticism class, which invite anyone to come. She's this incredible world renowned astrologer. And she teaches people how to read their own birth chart, how to pull their own tarot, how to like, it's again, putting tools in people's hands so that they can self-soothe, you know, create a big, beautiful life so they can manage their big feelings. And hence, you know, you can see why that's my purpose because I couldn't do that at one time. So I want to make this available for everyone. Yes. Oh, beautiful. Well, I'm booking a plane ticket now. We yes. Must. Well, thank you, Ryan, so much for sharing your light and your beauty. And I'm excited. Hopefully can meet you in person one day. Can you tell everyone where they can find you? Yes. I'm mostly active on Instagram. That's really where it feels like the most current I'm running. You know, I have a website, it's ryanhadden.com, but I'm really come find me at ryan.hadden on Instagram. Beautiful. We will link everyone to you. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure to rate us all the stars, comment, tell us how much you like it, share it with a friend, and we will catch you guys next week. Bye everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to follow along with us on Instagram at Shocker Girl Co. And if you loved this episode, please give us a five-star review and write us a little comment. We'd love to hear from you. 